0: This episode of Onward to Victory is proudly presented by WCScreens.com. For wholesale pricing and nationwide shipping, don't forget our pals at WCScreens.com, the gold standard of the screen printing and embroidery industry. You know the name, and on with the show. Today on Onward to Victory, join me for a conversation with internationally acclaimed artist and Notre Dame alumna Kathleen Kiefer. There are very few artists out there who capture the essence and the spirit of Notre Dame and her football team quite like Kathleen. And as I was talking to the Notre Dame enthusiast Kathleen, I soon found out that her connection with the university and the football team somehow ran even deeper than I ever thought possible. Buckle up those chin straps, Irish fans. This is onward to victory. Hello Irish fans and welcome to Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. My name is Alex Painter and thank you for joining me here today. I'm not going to take long here in this show lead. We have important work to do. I had the distinct privilege and pleasure to speak with Notre Dame artist Kathleen Kiefer. It was a lovely conversation. I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. But before we jump into the feature of this 69th episode in show history, please make sure you have indeed subscribed to the show. That way you can be alerted to all the new episodes as they are released. So if you're holding an iPhone in your hand, please visit that purple podcast icon and rate the show and leave a review if you're feeling kind of nice. But of course, don't forget to subscribe. Also, please bookmark onwardtovictory.blog. We are kicking up activity on the show's website, so please make sure that you visit onwardtovictory.blog. And again, just give it a quick bookmark. And that whole initiative, the website that is, is sponsored by our friends at wcscreens.com. And speaking of sponsors, let me throw out some quick thank yous to the Consensus All-Americans Those kindly folks who have donated to keep the show's train on the tracks, if you will, and they include Michael Finan of Rutherford, New Jersey, Brad Glazier of Williamsburg, Indiana, Will Fuller of Warren, Ohio, Dr. Jeremy Scarlett of Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin, and Mr. Andy Nickel of South Bend, Indiana. Eternally grateful for every last one of you, and of course also to wcscreens.com, our banner sponsor. And just know that if you'd like to get your name called as a consistent All-American yourself, please feel free to visit the virtual tip jars at paypal.me slash onwardtovictory for a one-time donation or even better, patreon.com slash podcast for ongoing monthly support. And every bit of which is greatly, greatly appreciated. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation I was able to have with Kathleen Kiefer. But if you're curious about her body of work, please follow her on Facebook at Kathleen Kiefer Artist. Now, just so you know, it's Kathleen and Kiefer is K-E-I-F-E-R. So if you're not of the Facebook persuasion, that's okay. Visit KathleenKiefer.com and you'll get a good sense of her style and you'll get a really, really good glimpse of some, just a small portion even of some of the work she does with Notre Dame football and a variety of other subjects as well. And as you'll find out during our conversation, I tried to touch on as many of them as possible. But of course, we always ended up a circling back to Notre Dame because we are just a couple of Notre Dame diehards talking on a Notre Dame football podcast today. But be sure to check out her work, even if it's while you're listening here to this episode. I personally have a deep admiration for her work, and it was just really awesome to have the opportunity to not only meet her, but even make a friend out of this Episode. So without further ado, let's jump right in. My conversation with Notre Dame artist Kathleen Kiefer, right after this. Welcome back to Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast, Irish fans. As always, this is Alex Painter, and I have with me here today an actual painter whose work I deeply, deeply admire. I am thrilled to welcome Kathleen Kiefer to the show. Hi, Kathleen. How are you?
1: I'm fabulous tonight. I'm, I'm in South Bend. I'm right next to the right next to campus. I couldn't be happier.
0: I really, really appreciative that you're electing to spend a little bit of your time here this evening with me and then with us and got a lot of really good questions for you, I think, and really, really excited for this conversation. But I wanted to give information about you just in case they're unaware. So Kathleen is currently based in Manhattan Beach, California, and is a native of Chicago, Illinois. She's been painting since she was very young. As I mentioned in the show Lead, Kathleen received her Bachelor of Fine Arts from the University of Notre Dame, and she also studied at the Art Institute of Chicago. So she's been painting professionally since 1996, and her art hangs in galleries all over the world. Her work appears in many private collections from People or companies you may have heard of, including James Cameron, Jack Nicholson, Kelly Clarkson, Hilton Hotels, and Walt Disney Studios, just to name a few. So while her whole body of work is incredibly varied and diverse, uh, Kathleen is absolutely prolific when it comes to capturing Notre Dame imagery through her colorist painting style. So very quickly here, Kathleen as we share a mutual friend in Jim Augustine, better known to the masses as Augie of Augie's locker room. That's actually where I saw your work for the first time here. And I just thought it was so cool and so refreshing. And when I say cool, I don't mean like sunglasses and a leather jacket. Cool. I mean, like kind of like cool, like taking a big drink of water on a very hot day, like just that kind of cool. But it was a couple of years ago that we actually very briefly crossed paths there at Augie's locker room, and I believe you are picking up some old pieces of Notre Dame stadium seating, which we will get to here in a bit. So you entered Notre Dame as a legacy student. So in other words, you had uh, other members of your family attend Notre Dame before you. So to you, as someone who has been just very, very intimately connected with the university, what is the spirit of Notre Dame?
1: Great question. And it's such, you're right, it's such a big part of my DNA and the way I was raised that, okay, I'm going to give you a pop culture answer, I think. So the Ted Lasso TV show, there's this quote that says, "Um, it's the hope that kills you. And I believe that the Notre Dame spirit is more about, it's the lack of hope that kills you. It's apathy that will kill you. And that there is great faith in the Notre Dame community that we will win overall, we will prevail, whatever that means. And I have to tell you in my life, I've lived all over the country. I've, I've done so many things that big part of the Notre Dame family for me, and I certainly think about this, I'm mentoring um, art majors who graduated from Notre Dame, is that we are the golden family. We help each other, we are looking out for each other. And there's a value, for example, I have an, an art exhibition right now at the Hilton Hotel the embassy suites on Angela Avenue. And I can keep it up for three months. No one is walking away with any of my art pieces. It's the Golden Family. I would not do that in LA. I would not do that in any other um, group, but I trust Notre Dame. It's a different, it's the spirit of Notre Dame. We, we just don't, we just behave in a different way. It, it makes us be better people, I believe.
0: No, that's, that's fantastic. And I mentioned, thank you for sharing. And I mentioned legacy, your grandfather, uh, Frank O'Toole was a freshman guard on the 1924 team. And just in case if that team rings a bell for any of our listeners, that was of course the infamous team on the varsity level. They had the four horsemen, which are about as cemented in Notre Dame lore as it gets. They were powering the, uh, the coach Rockney offense all the way to the national championship. But could you please share maybe a little bit more about memories of your grandfather?
1: Well, so my grandfather was from San Diego, but he went to prep school at Santa Clara, which is Northern you know, California. And it's now no longer a prep school. It's now you know, only a college. It's Santa Clara University. Okay. So he went from Santa Clara, with, which, which had huge Notre Dame connections. And so he enters Notre Dame in 1924, a big year. I have his photo album. He took pictures of the four horsemen after practice outside the field house. He took pictures of uh, lion's hall being built. I mean, this oh, guy is so cool. I mean, and you know, 1924 is obviously our first national championship year. I mean, I, we should have had 13. We should have some other years before that, but
0: <laughs> yes, boy,
1: he was there with Newt Rockney and the four horsemen. And there's one note he wrote to my grandmother, who was at St. Mary's, and she's also class of 28. And he wrote on the back of it, and I'm paraphrasing, like, we um, scrimmaged against the national championships team today. So he's, you know, so that's a lot of information. It wasn't, he wasn't a starter. They were using the Stanford offense, the Stanford shift, and they just about ruined us. (laughs) And so my grandfather was part of that first train trip 1926 to play usc he was part of that 1920s that huge 1927 usc notre dame game and soldier field where that thing they're estimating now that the attendance was around 160,000, which it's is a wild, record yeah. i mean that was a record for probably 60 years right that and you know because why because notre dame stadium was being built there was no way that Notre Dame could accommodate those sorts of crowds. Right. I mean, Newt Rockney was a national celebrity. And I mean, marketing genius. You know, I don't want to, you know, we, we're not making a Newt Rockney podcast right now, but I mean, a total, total marketing genius. And my grandfather is very close to him. He asked my grandfather to write a poem in the 1926 football review. Okay. So in that review, um, you know, Francis O'Toole is a poem. My grandfather also wrote a lot of poetry in the um, in the 1927 Dome yearbook. He has almost 20 pages of poetry in that yearbook.
0: That's incredible.
1: Yeah. I mean, poetry had a different place in society then. I mean, you can't imagine, you know, our coach now, Marcus Freeman, asking one of the players to write a poem about the <laughs> season. I mean, it just, or to encapsulate, or, or to summarize the season. It's right. A diff- different time. This is, you know, 1926 when he did that.
0: No, that's so interesting. You mentioned that because you're right. I, I kind of go through the archives uh, a lot with this scholastic and the school paper and the, and the yearbooks and yeah, they're absolutely rife with poetry and it's, it's quite, it's quite beautiful. And there's a lot of football players who you didn't think would participate in, in such a thing, but they're, they're widespread. And that's amazing. I actually had written down that. I saw that your, your grandfather was, uh, was the editor in chief of the, or was he an editor of yearbook.
1: Well, so, so a, a great, that's a great little, little details. One of my collectors gave me a gift of the 1927 dome, the yearbook. And it was in that dome, you know, cause you know, I'm one of eight kids, you know, it's, you know, there's no way, you know, five of eight's going to end up with any of these artifacts. Right. One of my collectors sent it to me and I found out that he was liter- literary editor of the um, scholastic magazine. And I was the art editor when I was at Notre Dame and I did not know that. You know, so it's just cross time and space kind of following in his footsteps.
0: What a cool connection with your grandfather. Uh, that's amazing. I, yeah, I was doing a little bit of digging in the archives myself, and I just happened to pick up on that. And it's like, I'm going to ask that. I, I assumed you were fully aware of that. And I'm glad I'm glad you are. Well, I'm I, glad I'm glad a relic was returned to you, too, or, or given to you. I should say well, that's really awesome. You know,
1: and um, I subsequently giving domes as gifts. That's a big thing. And I really appreciate it. I've gotten a 1942 dome as a gift, which isn't, I mean, because, you know, every undergraduate in that yearbook was in harm's way. Right. Every single one of those guys was in the war. I have a 28 yearbook. I mean, I've collected a bunch, but I, I'm just crazy about these domes. I just, I can't get enough of them.
0: Oh yeah. It gives you such an, like a snapshot in in time and you fit the nail on the head
1: visual inspiration. Yeah. Because I, you know, I love, I love the more history I know, then I love combining history memorabilia with my art.
0: Absolutely. And let's, let's move on to art since you mentioned art. Now your website very elegantly shares that a quote from you actually, and it says for me, Painting captures the very essence of time and its passage. So I think that dovetails very nicely as far as what we were talking about. And and I love this. And actually, I just wrote that down because I wanted to make sure everybody who is listening to this episode hears that. Could you share with me and with us when you realized that painting was a passion of yours and that it was something that you ultimately wanted to do with your life?
1: You know, Alex, in a way, that's such an easy question because I I was only ever good at one thing. I was, a, I, my primary intelligence is clearly visual spatial and that I have actually taken that, figured it out early and became an artist because I don't think I'd be good at anything else. This is, I mean, I'm one of those lucky people that I'm doing, I'm sure I'm doing what I was supposed to be doing. I mean, I'm using every day, I'm challenged every day. I feel like I'm using my talents to the fullest.
0: I love seeing the shots of you kind of crouched on the sidelines doing paintings just kind of on the fly. Like, how do you, how do you do that?
1: (laughs) You know, I, I can paint live. I've just, I don't know if I could have done that 20 years ago, but I mean, I painted so many paintings and I'm just, I've just become very skilled at interpreting what I see visually, you know, figuring out how to make that work for me. And I like the pressure it doesn't, it doesn't freak me out to have, you know, a crowd of people behind me or be on the field sketching. It just doesn't, I mean, I'm in my zone. It does not, you know, I feel, I don't know how a quarterback feels because I was never a quarterback. I mean, I played a lot of tennis in my life, but I mean, when you're in the zone, you don't hear the noise. You're just, you're just, you're just focusing on the ball and the next play. And that's how I feel when I'm doing art.
0: Yeah, a lot of probably common attributes, because that was the first thing in my mind. Uh, we've all witnessed games at Notre Dame Stadium. We we all know it can get awful loud in there. <laughs> or if you haven't witnessed a game at Notre Dame Stadium, you can imagine it gets awful loud in there and you just seem like you're very calm and it's a very serene thing. And I've watched the videos and I'm like, I don't know how she pulls that off, but it's awful impressive. So I can just sit back and marvel. So and then when I look at your art, too, and you mentioned history earlier and that, that is something that's in my will. I studied history in college. And so when I look into your art, I, I, I see the history. Uh, and for me, it almost feels like preservation work from time to time, preserving those legends, those lores, those myths, whatever it might be. And you focus a lot of your energy on subjects uh, such as the aforementioned Four Horsemen or Coach Rockney. Some of my favorites that you do are, are Notre Dame's first mascot, the Irish Terrier Clashmore Mike, but among many, many other subjects throughout Notre Dame football history so why do you focus so heavily on these
1: huh well uh, okay so it's part of my biography right my grandfather was there in 1924 and i am actively trying to get 1924 season so let's just pretend in 2024 100 years i'm actively um campaigning to get the four horsemen to ride out of the tunnel and around the field
0: Mm, that would be amazing
1: (laughs) Um, I'm actively have asked permission from the university to do sort of a Banks a Banksy type mural of the four horsemen on the brick inside the interior of the stadium. Wow! Um, I mean, Clashmore, I love. He had a better. He has a better winning percentage than our Leprechaun.
0: That's true. <laughs> That's right. I, you know,
1: I mean, I I don't know why our Leprechaun can't have an Irish Terrier. That would be cool. But um, you know, if Freeman follows a little bit of history. You know, I'm you know, you're a huge fan. Rockney won a national championship in his third year. Leahy won in his third year. F- Farsigian won in his third year. He should have won in 64 as well. That's you know yeah, that yeah. one yeah. call in usc the Phantom Hold. <laughs> right. um, Vine won in his third year. And um you know my you know my painting of the five national championship coaches, you know, having a bourbon Yes. And I'm sure Lou's saying, yeah, and I won in my third year too, gentlemen.
0: <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I can certainly appreciate it. It's like, as you mentioned, it's this history. And it's your family history to a certain degree. And that's why I think it just comes through. And it's just, it really, really shines. Yeah, but um, history,
1: history's is also the, I mean, because in 2024, that's Freeman's third year. I mean, that's yeah. what i oh, I mean, yeah. you know, I just think history is part of today too. And I love combining memorabilia with art. I feel like it's more powerful if I can figure out how to do that, I just got, you know, and I'm always, you know, because I'm here, I'm always getting more precious relics, because everyone knows I'm into it now. Like I just got some roof tiles from Corby hall when it was demolished. That's where the um, Holy Cross priest and brothers live. Right. Uh, So, um, you know, of course I painted father Corby blessing the troops at Gettysburg on that.
0: That's amazing.
1: Um, I'm going to release those next week. I like, you know, I've gotten pieces of marble from the Hesburg library when they updated it. I, I mean, I love that. site. I mean, and of course, the um, Redwood stadium seats. Um, I love the date, you know, the late 20s, the early 30s. You know, we're talking about craftsman style and I'm, you know, I'm riffing off of that. We can talk about rockney. We can talk about, hey, let's make frames out of these. Let's riff off what was happening design wise then. It's, you know, it to me, it's it's really interesting.
0: And just to to kind of go off that, some of my favorite works you do are are on those pieces of old stadium benches. And and uh, in case our listeners are otherwise unaware, I would first recommend you go check those out. But usually they're kind of tied in with whatever the seat number numbers is. Sometimes you get you're lucky and you get the two numbers kind of put together. I mean, I think they're beautiful. I think they're ingenious. I hope to have one someday. But where did you get this? Where'd you get this idea to to kind of start repurposing these relics and kind of making them art?
1: you know, I was certainly aware that you could buy seats and I saw a lot of them displayed and I thought they were ugly. They were brown things with numbers. And I didn't think, I mean, I was kind of looked at them and I thought there's not enough there. And it just kind of sat in the back of my brain for a while. And then I finally thought, well, what we need to do is take the number of the seat and tie it into a year or a player or something. Or like uh, you know, I've got a thirty-two, thirty-three. I went to the Studebaker Museum yesterday in South Bend. I mean, I've done a couple seats where I've gotten those, and I've painted Rockney's the Rockney um, sedan that was named for him posthumously in thirty-two, thirty-three. So I mean, yeah. So to me, with the Notre Dame uh, lore, it's it it can be almost anything.
0: Yeah, and the one that I just saw recently, I loved it with Coach Rockney. The uh, the drink the first, sip the second, and skip the third. Oh, do, I, do you
1: do that, Alex, during games?
0: I'm not, I admittedly, <laughs> I'm not great at that. So
1: <laughs> it's a four-hour, it's four hours long. And if you're tailgates, that's six hours. Yeah. That's
0: true. Yeah. We can yeah. do, you
1: know. And how big are the drinks? I mean, it's a it's a complicated question.
0: It is though. It, yeah, there's a rolling scale as far as the size of the yeah, there's a lot to consider there, but I just have to crack up because I could you could just hear him like you read enough about Coach Rockney and you just you hear those words coming out of his mouth. It's perfect. So now, of course, not all of your creations are actually Notre Dame themed. And I I think it's really important to obviously this is a Notre Dame football podcast and and we've talked a lot about those. But, you know, for instance, you do some amazing work of of surfers, uh, beaches, really just kind of that West Coast aesthetic, that West Coast imagery so I happen to be a diehard beach boys fan and that's something I actually wear quite proudly. Something that most, most of my close family and and loved ones know about me, but uh, as an artist, what are your inspirations and motivations when considering your entire body of work?
1: Well, okay. You're beach boy fan. I live in Manhattan beach. They're from the South Bay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm inspired by um, where I am like the, color the history Um, when I moved to Malibu I began painting Malibu I paint Manhattan Beach all the time you know I go for a walk on the beach I've got my camera and sketchbook with me I mean I you know sometimes you just see like the most beautiful color the most beautiful wave you see like you know I'm on Manhattan Beach Pier and I look down and there's like this gorgeous wave with like five surfers in it and it's just the most beautiful thing I mean that's that is as beautiful as a receiver catching a pass, right? You know, it's the same. And, you know, so I'm inspired by um, real things, real beauty, like that quote you made about my work. I am inspired by where I am. It has to be real to me.
0: So as far as inspirations are concerned, thank you for sharing that by the way, Kathleen, who, who are you inspired by? Do you have painters, artists that, you just really draw a lot of inspiration from?
1: Oh, so I grew up in Chicago. So as a, um, young person, I was at the art Institute of Chicago many times, and I was completely blown away by the Monet's and Mm -hmm. by the colors that he used. And I would say, um, I'm still primarily a colorist, I think in color, I had the, um, great, um, This summer I went to Giverny for the first time and I was able to sketch his house and his ponds and his bridges. And that was was a really nice privilege for me. Uh, I would also say growing up in Chicago, Leroy Neiman, another uh, another Art Institute guy was a huge inspiration to me. Um, I still think what he did with sports art in the 60s, 70s and 80s Um, in a way, he kind of paved the way for what I'm doing right now. Um, He created uh, sports art as a collectible. And I don't really think that existed before there were there were signed photographs, but I don't think anyone was really doing these stereographs and what he was doing. So that's my Chicago. Um, You know, when I moved to California, there was a lot of other influences on the West Coast for my work. Uh, But I'm gonna just, to answer your question, because I think it relates most to Notre Dame podcasts, I would say um, Monet and Leroy Neiman.
0: I've got two, I guess, smaller questions, but I'm just curious, because you seem to be like a, a bit of a purveyor of Notre Dame history, so you have to have a favorite Notre Dame football player in, of all time, or maybe four or five, five. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, that's a really hard question to answer because um, I've also been in the privileged position where I get to know a lot of them personally. Right. Um, this weekend, Bob Crable is doing an event with me in Cincinnati. And I would say Bob Crable to me, um, he's – okay, so how many tackles did he have in his Notre Dame career? It's like 541.
0: A something ridiculous like that. Amount, no, one, yes. no one's
1: ever going to – and there was only um, 11 games. So no one's ever going to ever and, – and so, I mean, there's been so many players that have just been so good to me. Like Reggie Brooks is always there for me, always helps yeah. me get – um Lou Holtz's signature I'm really looking forward to doing this event with Bob in Cincinnati uh this weekend Sunday at the Irish Heritage Center um Bob even though I you know I just talked about his tackle record which will never be broken in never. the history of Notre yeah. I mean <laughs> I mean you're probably a better stacked person than I am but I think Manti probably had 320 or something yeah. not even close no one's right. close um my favorite game of his is the one I paint where he's blocking the um, Michigan field goal at the last second to beat Michigan.
0: Yes. And that was fantastic. in the
1: 1979. Fantastic game. Um, and he's a molar guy, which is a huge part of Notre Dame history. I mean, trivia question, what high school sent more kids to Notre Dame than any other high school in America? It's Moeller.
0: And, and a coach within Jerry Faust. <laughs> right. Yeah. Jerry Faust came straight up. Uh, and that's something you just don't see anymore either is a guy coming from the high school ranks directly to a big job. That's what Jerry Faust did. He went from Moeller High School to Notre Dame. But yeah, Moller High School, my, my father-in-law, as it were, coincidentally attended Moeller. He's a Moller man. So nice. not, not for nothing, I suppose. Shout out to my, my father-in-law.
1: Bishop Moeller. Yay. Yeah,
0: that's right. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. No, no, you're right. There, there's so many to pick from. And obviously, you know, you've got, kind I mean, of cool... you know,
1: as far as like most enigmatic, you've got to go George Kip I mean, yes. And I have um, also DNA there because my grandmother, who was at St. Mary's in 1928, she was from Calumet, Michigan.
0: Oh my so goodness. She... You're kidding me.
1: No, she's buried about 20 yards away from Gibb. And so is my grandfather once another day. So I grew up like with, and so I grew up like going so my great-grandfather bought this decommissioned lighthouse in eagle river michigan Gipps would show up at the beach and talk to us oh hi yeah i'm i'm you know jonah gip and what? and so is- my grandmother remembers so gip was a little older than her she went to sacred heart he went to calumet high school she remembers watching him play baseball
0: that is absolutely absurd it's i y- yeah
1: and so um yeah. I remember one year when we went to visit my grandparents' grave, my father said, okay, you know, here's, uh, we're going to find Gipps grave. He's somewhere right around here. And we, and, you know, and all eight of us went around and I, out. Found, I found <laughs> Gipps grave. Yep.
0: Oh my goodness. What a reminder you know, what that,
1: I mean, you know, I've read so many biographies of him. It was just like, Oh my God, could somebody have just put him to bed and taken out his tonsils Something. I mean, I, just, yes. I don't understand, like, because, you know, I'm a mom too, you know, I'm like, he was so sick, you know, just,
0: Yes. I, you
1: know, oh, you know, I, I mean, he was so phenomenal, like his eight yards per carry and his, his drop kick stuff. I mean, it's crazy what he was doing.
0: Kathleen, I'm like, I don't know. I, it's hard for me not to get excited talking about get, but, but first of all, a. I appreciate the friendly reminder that the world, as big as we think the world is, it's, there's always a good friendly reminder that it's not as big as you think it is. What a cool intersection between your family and George Gipp. Oh, yeah, Gipp. Un- yeah. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yes. Because it has
1: nothing to do, really. Well, my grandfather, who went to Notre Dame in 28, he's from California. But it was right. my grandmother who lived in Calumet.
0: And then went to St. Mary's.
1: Yeah. So oh. they met and married. but. I mean, Gibbs, like, and Rockney will say he was the most phenomenal athlete he ever coached. Newt Rockney says that.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. As far as people in relation, because it's like, it's hard when you're talking about cross-generational things. Really hard. But however, when you're looking at, like, if you have to just compare everybody kind of in a vacuum, compare them to, like, their peers at the time. And in relation to his or her peers, whatever, whatever sports you're talking about. There probably was nobody better than George Gipp, nobody more dominant or explosive than George Gipp than in relation to his peers in the in the late teens and and or 1920 season. He was phenomenal, as you say, unbelievable. Well,
1: and, and, you know, you just love these biographical stories of how you know he lived at the Oliver Hotel, never attended classes, played. <laughs> you know, it was this brilliant billiards player? Yes, like, you know, had just phenomenal hand-eye coordination. You know, you just begin to hear these stories and. And you're just realizing this was just a phenomenal like specimen and Rodney. Okay. So he's on the team, you know, he's a player and kind of a coach by 1913. Yes. Okay. He's a senior and really kind of a coach. And then he dies in 31, 31, 30 less, the last, so he's got, he's got a generation of people he's seen in his program and he's seen nationally. He's not, you know, he's not, he's looking at, you know, from, Army to USC, and he says George Gipp is by far and away the most astonishing athlete he ever came in contact with.
0: Yeah, you know he was actively playing games in that 1920 season while he was in all reality dying
1: yeah. from
0: from his condition. But oh I mean, he I loved know. the nightlife; he loved it. As you mentioned, he lived at the Oliver Hotel. I I've read an account where every time he walked through the front door, you know, the pianist would like like do a ragtime version of the Victory March, as you know, he was a celebrity. <laughs> Hey, he was you it was a major
1: celebrity. But,
0: yeah, and I mean, I remember reading um, that you know when when he passed, like they turned all the lights out at the hotel to, to commemorate, you know, that their their most famous resident had passed away. So okay, Well, we definitely agree on that on that bit then. But appreciate you sharing the story about your uh, your family's connection with George Gipp. That's just yeah. so very very interesting. So what's on, the, uh, what's on the horizon here? Any short-term goals, anything you're working on or anything that obviously you have the exhibition that you mentioned, and it's going to be all throughout the football season. So if you're up in South Bend in 2022 here during the 2022 season, make sure you head to where Kathleen?
1: It's the hotel, the Embassy Suites on Angela. Yes. And it's the entire lobby. So right, really right across the street from the football stadium. And I'm up in that lobby 24 hours a day. So even though I can't be there 24 hours a day, I'm I'm usually there for huge chunks of times on Thursday night, Friday night. I often do trivia contests on Saturday morning, Um, especially if it's a night game, because we got a little bit of time. I give great prizes. I give great prizes, you know, (laughs) prizes, of course. And I love talking about Notre Dame trivia. And I like you know you have to make it hard for Notre Dame fans, too.
0: Oh yeah, you seem like you'd be a great, great facilitator of like a trivia night, or I guess in some cases a trivia morning.
1: Although I have to say, once at a tailgate, I got really embarrassed because one of my trivia questions I was researching was how many Notre Dame football coaches also coached in the NFL.
0: Okay, obviously, okay. Uh, Dan Devine coached in the NFL. He coached the Packers. Did Elmer Layden?
1: Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz coached the Jets. That was.
0: Oh, that's right. It was a disaster. I forgot about that one. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: another one that you would never know is Hunk Anderson, Hank.
0: Yeah. Uh, um,
1: Hartley Anderson.
0: George from Gibbs' Kelly best buddy. Matt.
1: George Gibbs' buddy. Yep. He was right there. Um, by the way, on my, my grandparents have a dance card from 1927 for the Junior Promenade. And the two um, patrons were Newt Rockney and Hartley Anderson.
0: Oh my goodness. <laughs> two national
1: football coaches, you know, I mean, two, you know, two Notre Dame coaches.
0: That's um, amazing.
1: So I'm, I'm like working through this list and uh, I'm talking to one of my friends, Mike Kluark and at a tailgate. And he's like, well, there's my uncle. <laughs> I'm like, so embarrassed. Kluark, of course. And I totally,
0: right. Know,
1: I, I mean, that's a problem with Notre Dame, you know, like, like, you know, It's not, the trivia's living. It's living trivia. Right. (laughs) My uncle, you know, Yeah.
0: Oh, that's so true. Well, I, Kathleen, I got to tell you, I I am very, very appreciative of this conversation. And thank you for sharing a little bit about your obvious gifts and, and your passions as well. I feel like we could probably talk for several hours about Notre Dame football, but thank you so much for sharing a bit of your time here today with Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. Thanks for sharing the trivia, the tidbits, and just the the company. We're very, very appreciative.
1: Thanks, Alex. I appreciate I appreciate your enthusiasm for my work. Uh, you know, I appreciate you sending people to my shows at the Embassy Suites and yes. you know, in Cincinnati on Sunday. I just, You know, I I appreciate being part of the Golden Family.
0: If you're in South Bend this fall, make sure you head to the Embassy Suites. So it's the uh, it's over on Eddie Street Commons then, or on off. Technically, is it yeah, it's like right just- next
1: to Eddie Street on yes. Angela?
0: Yes. Like why- right
1: across the street from the football stadium.
0: Yes. You can't miss it. So make sure again, fall 2022, if you're up for a home game, please go check out the work of Kathleen Kiefer. It is there at the embassy. I implore you to do it. And also if you have some time, Saturday morning trivia, do it for me, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'm going to break here and I'll be right back with show wrap. Welcome back. And I hope everybody enjoyed that delightful conversation I was able to have with artist Kathleen Kiefer. Aside from just being a obviously creative person, her knowledge and perspective and passion for your fighting Irish is obviously abundant. And so when you're talking to someone like that, it makes it a really easy conversation. And so hopefully you really did enjoy that one. And please, by all means, go check out her art. It's at KathleenKieferArt.com. Again, that's Kathleen, K A T H L E E N, and Kiefer, K E I F E R, and then Art.com. That conversation, and well, all conversations and episodes, is of course brought to you by the Consensus All Americans. One more time, we have Michael Finan of Rutherford, New Jersey, Brad Glazier of Williamsburg, Indiana, Will Fuller of Warren, Ohio, Dr. Jeremy Scarlett of Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin, and Andy Nickel from South Bend, Indiana, and, of course, our banner sponsor, wcscreens.com. Without them, this episode and all the episodes do not happen. So thank you all once again for that. So please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Whether you use Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible through Amazon, don't forget to hit subscribe or follow or whatever it may be. That way you can be alerted to all the new latest episodes so if you're feeling nice make sure you leave a rating five stars preferably and if you're feeling super nice don't forget to leave a review as well so with that i am going to sign off this has been the 69th episode of onward to victory a notre dame football podcast talking with artist kathleen Kiefer. and in kindness i am your host alex painter and as always go Irish.